This is the Society for Healthcare Innovations interview series. With us today, we have Chris Ladansky, who's an intensive care doctor, researcher, and implementation specialist at the University of Pennsylvania Health System. Thank you for joining us today, Chris. Thank you very much, Corey. It's wonderful to have this opportunity to talk about stuff going on right now. Glad you could be here. I know you are very busy as a frontline physician right now. And I think uh, what I'd like to hear about first is, is what your experience has been uh, on the front lines of this pandemic. You know, I, I think the most interesting part is that it's a very, very emotional journey because a lot of um, issues that we face in the regular life, in like regular hospital now, life, now became very, very, very prominent. Sorry. As you can hear, I work in the hospital, and this is what you hear all the time. You hear a lot of drama going on, a lot of uh, life and death situation. And we experience those, but never to such so extent. And for me, the emotional part of that of that journey is that it exposes a lot of our emotional vulnerabilities. We have to make a lot of decisions. And quite often, we don't have a comfort to have a time to adapt to them. We just have to make them and sort of live in the consequences. So that, that's an incredible emotional journey. I can only imagine. And uh, I know this goes without saying, but uh, all of us non-clinicians are extremely grateful for everything you guys do. So thank you for what you're doing day in and day out. Um, as a member, and in fact, the president of the uh, Society for Healthcare Innovation, I know you are an innovation-minded individual. Um, stepping uh, outside to the extent possible of the uh, emotional hardship of this experience, mm -hmm. what can you tell me about uh, what you've seen in terms of innovation at that individual physician-patient level, um, just, just experiencing what you have? So, you know, it's interesting because I think first comment I want to say is that a lot of red tape is gone. A lot of things that we do right now, uh, we can do it much quicker. A lot of time, people kind of live through innovation through this really high uh, speed cycle of, okay, does it work? Doesn't work. If it doesn't, let's just move on. Things that usually take months now takes weeks or days, and everybody has this fever. And there is an appetite or permission to do the solution, which before were very, very frontline or the cutting cage. And two of them that comes to my mind is one is the you know, the explosive growth of telemedicine. And the other one is the high appreciation of the AI as a potential to aid our work. Both of the things literally exploded, mostly because they were allowed to grow. There's no red tapes. Almost everything that you propose, which makes sense and improve patients' life, goes, which is dramatically different uh, quality of, of life right now. Right. And can we can we drill a little bit deeper into both of those from a telehealth perspective? Mm -hmm. uh, what specifically have you seen that's been been promising? So there's a couple of things. So first of all, acceptance is higher. Second thing is we actually learn how to use the telemedicine the correct way. And by saying correct way is how you leverage people behind the camera about the computer system the best way. So I'm intensive care physician. So if I do rounds the classical way with the resident, pharmacist, everybody, I can maybe run on 12 to 20 patients. But to be honest with you, most of the work that I do, 
is, is the work that any medical doctor can do. They need 20% of my critical experience. So what we do with the telemedicine, we build this pyramids almost of the providers. On the top, you have a ICU physician who serves as a contents expert or intensivist expert to a bunch of the non-ICU providers, doctors, APP, uh, nurse anesthetists, you name it. And they can run the patients quite effectively on in a lot of aspects, but once in a while they will pinch me, hey, Chris, can you help with this or that? And the telemedicine allows for this incredible connection that now I just need to sit in one place at the desk and I'm in the contact for teams. Each team has a 20 patients in the care. So suddenly my expertise helps 80 patients. And that got solved with the bunch of the iPads and smart people who put the software on them and, you know, bunch of the software which makes me connect. The project like that before, it took ages. But now the people willing to do, there's, there, there, uh, and there is uh, technology to do, which was really available. In the terms of the AI, there's a lot of discussion about the prediction. And um, again, AI, we hope, can fill the gap between what we have to provide as a healthcare system and what we can provide. Filling the stop gap with the AI can be done a couple ways. Once AI can aid our decision, second, uh, second sort of idea is AI may determine what is the correct treatment for the, for the patients. When I say that, is that we can use the AI to determine which patients should go to the hospital, which patient maybe should stay home. And that's a very, very cutting edge uh, thinking. And it's sort of linked to the first part I mentioned, which is emotional burden of the decision. If I have an AI helping with that, which can assess impartially, very important word, impartially, you know, who has the best chance coming to the ICU and beyond the ventilator versus who will not benefit, that's incredible burden that I don't have to carry forward. I think that's a great point, you know, and, and it's why, you know, as a former combat soldier, we had rules of engagement, right? There were, there were things that were, nothing in combat is black and white, but to the extent possible, there were rules that govern those sorts of situations mm-hmm. so that uh, no individual person felt like the weight of the world was on their shoulders, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think having those sort of protocols in place there's, I mean, there's no doubt that in the wake of this, there's going to be PTSD coming out of the hospitals, the physicians, the nurses, the clinicians on the, on the front lines. To your mm-hmm. point, you've trained for this, but uh, I think the number of code blues and, and uh, adverse outcomes that you've seen in a week probably uh, match that of a month or several months before this pandemic struck. You actually touched to important point that amount of the PTSD and trauma is going to trauma is going to be enormous, both in the medical field and and and, and you know and the society. Um, and you know we you know I do face decisions like that in their, my normal non-COVID life, but I don't face them every day, every two hours, every three hours. And I'm relatively remote from the field because I'm the person in the ICU. I'm not the ER physician who does a lot of decision on the split moment. And, you know, first of all, you have a PTSD. Second thing, you may become numb at some point. So the question is, how do you still maintain, you know, you being this compassionate medical professional without going numb and you still making the right decision on the societal level? That's, that's when the, we believe the AI can help a lot. If you can provide impartiality and the good data. Assuming, of course. Right. 
And I think that's a, a nice segue to kind of my last question for you, which is mm-hmm. when you think about uh, innovation at scale, as it relates to your health system, but perhaps the country in general, where do you see uh, that innovation as it relates to this pandemic, perhaps in setting up uh, hospitals on short notice in Philadelphia or something even broader like telehealth? What sorts of uh, sweeping changes are you, are you seeing? So I think one thing, there's a little bit more appreciation that the catastrophe like that or pandemic like that may happen. Uh, again, I think, you know, we have a Katrina that we sort of learn a little bit about the disaster. And then there were a couple other hurricanes, those Puerto Rico, but nobody really sort of thought that the disaster may happen like this. The problem is that every time we have a disaster, there's a call for the volunteers for critical care community. But how often can you call for volunteers? That's not a sustainable model. So one of the things which is being created right now is some kind of telemedicine critical care network, which probably will be run by the VA or some kind of federal government, which is going to be on the standby that you can very, very quickly uh, mobilize. Now, the benefit of that system is that everybody has to take the same language. We have to use the same software. We have to use the same standards. Um, and we have to be very, very easy deployable. So you have to innovate on the both level of the organization. You have to cut a lot of red tape, and then you have to make the system very, very agile, so to speak. So I think this is going to be one of the most uh, durable, I hope, small contribution the COVID to the future of the U.S. healthcare system. But I also think that the telemedicine will stay. You know, we move almost all the outpatients, whatever we could, we move to the telemedicine. I'm pretty sure if someone asks me now to go to the doctor to look at my skin change, I'm going to say, no, I'm just going to send him a photo. So I think that will be another durable uh, change that people just don't go to the doctor, which I think, you know, they just connect via electronic means, phone, iPhone, you name it, Zoom. And I think it's going to be another uh, huge durable change. And that will... that will affect the insurance, that will affect the consumer behavior, that also make us as a provider much more flexible. Because now I can, now I could, I'm giving this interview in the hospital, but who says that in five years, I will be sitting on the beach in Hawaii and run my unit from there in Alaska. That's kind of, that's extremely appealing perspective. God so maybe it's going to be one of the outcomes. <laughs> right, well, I think that's a nice segue. I know how busy the hospital is, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, is there any uh, final thought that you'd like to leave uh, viewers with as it relates to this pandemic or otherwise? Well, I think we look at the pandemic in this very, very gloomy way. But, and you know, it, it, there's no difference in a tragic event and uh, in our society life. But there's a lot of good things coming out of this. People show their value. Uh, the characters are being demonstrated. And it's very heartening that when you know, pandemic came here to Europe and other places, people just tighten up and they come up with the all crazy solution or innovative solution, whatever you call it, to overcome. It just show you how resourceful and resilient we are as a, as a society. Well, thank you again for your time, Chris. This is the Society for Healthcare Innovation. You can find us on our YouTube channel, on our LinkedIn, or our website, all of which are linked below. Thank you so much and have a great night.